Well, hey. Oh, let's say a big hey. Hey. So glad to be together. I was thinking about Bible study. It's probably one of my favorite um, days of the year is the opening of Bible study. And um, as Denise mentioned, I've been here like close to forever in this church, and, um, but I, I was once new, and if you're new here tonight or you're fairly new to the church, and I've met some of you that are, um, I, I remember that I, we had met one person when we walked in before that we arrived in the door, and that very first week they announced sign up for Bible studies, and I was the first one at the table. And uh, I am so glad there are people in this room uh, that in that very first Bible study that I went to over 30 years ago that are here tonight. And they are treasured. Our lives are so knit together. And um, so welcome. I am so glad you came. This is very important. I know some of you are out of your comfort zone. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a breakthrough to even come out. And some of you feel more comfortable with, with masks. And just because others don't have masks on, I want you to be comfortable. And don't feel intimidated. You, you do your comfort zone so that you can still come. <laughs> That's what we want. We want you here. Um, because I, I heard a phrase that has really stuck with me. Community is immunity. All of our immune system uh, activates better. When we are in relationship with others, when we're engaging, when, in this case, learning together. And so, again, welcome. Don't turn off the lights, though. No. So tonight, what is tonight? I'd like you to open, get your Bibles out, get a pen, and open your Bibles to Romans, if you would. Romans chapter 1. Uh, we're not going to really read it, but I, I want our books open because that's an important thing. And tonight is called The Introduction to Romans. <laughs> and it's a seven weeks. We'll be together studying this and this wonderful book. And at the end of seven weeks, um, I, I, I pray that an incredible thing will happen is that the book of Romans, the first six, six chapters that we'll study this semester, will be not just a book that you admire, it will be a friend. But this is the thing about Romans. It's a little complicated. I mean, honest, it really is. And it intimidated me to even give this message the intro. I felt like I have 30, min 30 minutes to uh, paint the Mona Lisa here. <laughs> This is, this is amazing. And it's, and it's a little deep, just a little. And I found this in my cupboard, a, a, a bag, a Ziploc plastic bag full of nuts that are not cracked. Well, you're going to feel a little bit like that when you open some of these chapters. <laughs> that's a hard nut to crack here. What does it mean? And, and so that, that's, that's a good, good activity. Get used to that. Say that with me. What does it mean? And the, the most important person to ask is God himself. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? And so with the first chapter, I've read it many times. I read it every year, this book. But I've been reading this chapter over and over and over again. And now it's, 
it is my friend. And you're going to love the homework. If, if you, and, and if you have your pen in hand, please hold it up. Because that's your nutcracker. <laughs> honest. Honest. Act, it's called active attention. And we're going to have a little panel discussion after the message right now and, and in a few minutes. Not right now, but in a few minutes. And, and a group of women are going to just share how do they crack the nuts. How do they, they, they step into it and make the word of God theirs? How do they develop that quiet time? So we'll be talking about that. So, first of all, we'll look at uh, Bible study itself. Why? Why is it important? And um, then how? How do we actually do it? And then what? What is the book of Romans about? That's kind of the intro tonight. So, Romans, who wrote it? We know it was Paul. Let me read you the first few verses. Paul, the bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Why does Paul, why do all the, the letters in the, in the New Testament, why, why does the, the writer write his name first? We write letters. When we write letters, we, we write our name last. Well, they were in scrolls. They would write the letters in a big, long scroll, and then they'd roll it up. And if they put their name on the end, you'd have to read the whole letter. Oh, that's from Paul. So this way, he just always introduced himself. This is from Paul. This is who I am. And I love who he is. Uh, I hope that he's going to become your friend as he shares some very important things. And he does introduce himself in verse 1. So, so again, a question, holy curiosity. But why him? Who was he really? Does it matter that we know him and his backstory? Absolutely, it does matter, as a matter of fact. It makes you an insider to the church, and to, the, um, to the church history, but also to the word of God. If you know bits and pieces and details and climb in, and, and again, be interested. So who are the people who first read Romans? What was going on in Rome at the time? It was really not the book of Romans. It was a letter. It was a letter to real people living in Rome, which was a very complicated place, and it was a complicated time. Welcome to our world, right? I think there's going to be some real familiarity there. And then, so what? <laughs> so what? Why are we even interested in reading somebody else's mail? I mean, that's really a good question. <laughs> they say, they say, Romans has literally, completely changed people's lives. Start to finish. Made them different people. And some, sometimes it's changed entire societies. Completely. Transformed them. So the question as we start tonight, as we begin, will it change us? Next question, do you want it to? Right? Okay, let's pray then. Lord, we just pray. God, um, give us holy curiosity. Make us want to crack the nut. 
and see what treasure is inside and not just leave things on the surface where we just know the crumbs. God, make us hungry and eager and open your word to us supernaturally so that we see wonderful things in your word. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, so why? I love the answers to why. Tell me why, and I can do things much more, 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 more better, <laughs> more eagerly. If you tell me why, what and why, that's a real nutcracker to me. So recently I, I, I saw a little study, a survey that was done by a group called Bible Enrichment Group. And they surveyed actually 40,000 people, if you can imagine that, in the U.S., ages 8 to 80. And they were interested in how people engaged in the Bible, and then was there a real effect in the Bible in their lives. And they found some profound results. First of all, if you open the Bible once a week, just once, uh, they said, does it, does it matter? And that can be just opening your Bible at church. And so, in the survey, asking questions, they discovered, actually, not much. Hardly anything, if you just open the Bible once. Well, how about two, if you open the Bible twice? And that could be listening to a podcast or just reading a little bit. Actually, negligible effect. Three, a little blip on the screen. But four, and they were shocked with this, straight up. Straight up. And so what was the effect when someone read their Bible four times a week, which we hope that we're going to be doing as we work through this lesson? So, number one, feeling lonely. If you're in the Bible four times a week, they said you're 30% less likely to feel lonely next week. Who wants to say hallelujah? Hallelujah. That's a good time for this information, right? Right? Uh, anger issues drop 32%. Maybe your family would like that going on. <laughs> I don't know. But bitterness and stress and relationship, maybe in a marriage with your kids, with your neighbors, with your family, drops 40%. That's good. Alcoholism drops 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant. Can anybody identify with that? Feeling spiritually stagnant. If you're in the Bible four times a week, you are 60% less likely to feel stagnant. Who wants to say hallelujah? Absolutely. That's such a good news to us. Pornography, less likely 61%. On the flip side, how about on the positive side, proactive side? Sharing your faith, if you're in the Bible four times a week, you are 200% more likely to do it. That's good. That's really good. And uh, interested in investing in someone else, discipling them to know Christ more, you're 250% more likely to do that if you're in the Word of God. Aren't these things intriguing to us? Doesn't it make you want to be in the word? And why is that true? Because we're in God's word. We sense his presence. We sense his closeness. We learn his heart. We get to know him. And we get used to hearing his voice. 
And all of this is so life-changing to us. So next, why do people say Romans is the greatest letter ever written? The crown jewel, the cathedral, the, the Mona Lisa of the Bible. You ever wonder why? It's because I believe for the Christian and the non-Christian alike that are seeking, it answers questions in concrete point-by-point way. And you'll see that. It answers real questions that people have about all kinds of things, eternity and their relationship. And one of the biggest questions is, What's wrong? What's wrong? The biggest question that has always plagued humanity from from the beginning of time since Adam and Eve fell in the garden is, what's wrong with people? Do you ever think that? You look around right now like, why are people so angry? Why are they so mean? Why are they so cruel to people? Why do they hurt your feelings? I mean, what's wrong with people? But I'll be the very, very honest truth. What plagues me most is not how they're acting, but me. It's what's wrong with me. You know what? I have a good intention, and I want my attitudes to be right and good. What? Sometimes we just get upside down inside, right? Romans answers that and helps to unravel it for us. And I think that's extremely good news. We're broken in this world, in this temporary life. In Romans, it says that the whole creation groans, groans with birth pains until now. And even us, we groan within ourselves. I'll tell you the truth. It helps to know. It helps to know, right? That it's not just me. And I think that it just unfolds lots of the secrets of life. In our honest moments, all of us know that when we fail, we need to know how can we be restored, renewed, back on our feet again. Romans answers that. This letter was Paul's answers to questions that were asking inside his heart, I believe, before he met Christ. Deep in his heart, even though he was a Jew, chosen God's people, a professional religious giant, he knew the law backwards and forwards, and he thought it was right. Ten commandments, they are right. God's law is right. He could obey on the outside, but he was just like us, is the inside. It's that angst. Everyone goes through that. Everyone. It's sin. Absolutely. And it's sin that's our enemy. And that's why the gospel, as it's laid out, unraveled, laid out piece by piece so we can understand it so clearly that it becomes not just our friend, that we own it and it owns us. And one of the songs we sang tonight, uh, that we would have freedom, that the sun would set us free. And that's the point. If you are struggling with something, if you've been in fear, if you've been tangled, if you've been frustrated, hey, glory, 
This book can untangle you. Glory to God. Romans 1 is so powerful. Paul never got tired of giving his testimony. Here he introduces himself, and it just gives a a taste of it. Paul, the bondservant of Jesus. Why? Because he owed his freedom to the Lord. He never got tired of telling his story, how he was violently fighting against the Christians, the claims that Christians said that Jesus is alive. Well, he had been in Jerusalem in that Passover time. As a matter of fact, uh, this is a new fact to me, uh, historians say that he was probably born about the same year that Jesus was born meaning that they would have grown up at the same time. They would have both, as kids and teenagers, gone to the temple in Passover, maybe crossed each other on the street. There's so much similarities. And he would have been at at Jerusalem during Passover when Jesus was brutally beaten, crucified, and hung on on a cross. Maybe he had watched some of it. So these rumors that Jesus was alive and that he was the son of God and he was the savior. He was violently opposed to that. But that one moment, and I love his testimony, that flash of light that knocked him down off of his high horse. Who is currently praying for someone (laughs) that doesn't know the Lord that you think that would just be great if the Lord would do it to them. Because I see a hand, do I see another? Amen. Uh, That's a constant prayer for a few people in my world. He was knocked off his horse. God himself did it. Because probably he was like our difficult people. They won't listen to us. But God himself, he got to it. Knocked him down, blinded him. And then Paul asked two questions that would change his life. Who are you? Who are you? And then what do you want me to do? He knew something supernatural had happened in his life. Who are you? These questions would change his life in that moment. And they continued to shape his life for the rest of his life. He never grew weary of wanting to know the Lord more. That was his magnificent obsession. And to serve him, he was addicted. He loved to serve him. It was an honor. And the Lord's answer to that, arise and you will be told what to do. Please someone write that down. To me, that answer, instead of giving him a map and this is what you'll do next, he did give him the next thing. But the ongoing, that the Lord himself will tell you what to do. That means he will navigate you through life. This is also such good news for us. And he said to Paul, you will bear my name. Before Gentiles, kings, and your own people. 
Sometimes something crosses your mind and you think, I could never do that. Who am I? No, it's not who you are. It's who calls you. And as we read chapter 1, we will see God doesn't just call people like Paul and make them great and famous. He calls each one of us. You are his workmanship too. He created you on purpose and for purpose. As Mark Twain used to say, the two most important days of your life are the day that you're born and the day you understand why. Well, I'll add a third element. The day you're born, the day you're born again, and then to know and to walk in and to trust God to unfold your divine destiny. That became the passion of his life. In a moment, he knew who Jesus was. So let's read a couple more verses in in chapter 1. And this book is concerning his son, Jesus Christ. That's what Romans is about. Our Lord, that's who he's about, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. He was declared, he was shouted out by the Holy Spirit, this is God. And how did he demonstrate it was true? Raised him from, a de- from the dead. That was the declam- declaration of who he was. That was a powerful shout out for people to pay attention. So for, for Paul... The fact that he was a bondservant to the gospel was not just a job description for him. It was his identity that defined him, not by his education or his family's expectations or his failures. Sometimes we define ourselves by our failures, our disappointments, not by secondhand opinions. Don't let the world shape you into its mold and its perception of you. You are important in the kingdom, but by a direct, personal, supernatural encounter with the living God. I think that's the favorite line I have in this this little Bible study. Let me read it again because it's so important to us that we can expect that from our God that he will get personal with us? Do you believe that he really audibly spoke to Paul? Three heads are going, yes. Do you believe that God Almighty, the one that created the universe, that he actually told Noah to build the boat? Do you think he actually in person? And how about Abraham in the burning bush? Was it the living God, the one on the throne of the universe that spoke to Abraham? If you believe that, do you think he's silent now in the universe? Please don't say yes. And please don't not expect him to speak to you. That's what the Bible is all about. That his voice comes off the pages and goes right to your heart. 
and your mind. So the question for you, do you think you, you are too ordinary or broken or too weak to be used personally by God? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. In Acts 9, God sent one of his faithful servants to Saul. Um, let's, I'm going to turn to it, Acts nine seventeen. You can turn if you would like. And I know most of you have read it. We've studied here at the church, but it's really so beautiful. Oh, here it is. 9.17, Ananias was a faithful servant, went his way and entered the house. Paul had just crashed to the ground, and he had heard that this Saul, who was so dangerous and angry at Christians, um, God wanted him to go to him. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the key. This is the secret to living life and being fruitful. The Holy Spirit, when he fills us, he changes us. The Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, would guide us. He would teach us. He would remind us, which I think is a particularly important thing (laughs) to some of us. He'll remind us. He'll show us things to come. And when we read uh, Acts and the story of people in the Bible, don't we see that's exactly what God did? And shouldn't we see? Don't you think there's a whole lot of work to be done right now in this world? Well, God would be silent then? It's absolutely not true. God is a speaking God. He loves to speak his mind. He loves to let us in on his secret. So, in these next seven weeks, um, God is going to move. Expect it. I believe he's going to move. So, how did Paul, Saul, that was his name before Christ, and he became to know Paul, So what was next after he received his sight? He knew that that now Jesus was Lord. Well, he was so excited. I can just see him. He had been such a scholar at the Old Testament, such a scholar that would have known every prophecy about the Messiah. I can just see him walking down the road like, what? I mean, how did I... How did I miss it? Like, how did I miss it? And and so he just burst into Damascus and immediately said, Could you believe it? There's a Messiah. He's come. He was sharing his faith. Well, it didn't go over very well. He was getting, he got, right away, he got a little taste of his own medicine. He who had persecuted Christians, he now got a hard blow Um, and in fact, it became so dangerous, he was just a brand new Christian, that they had to put him in a basket and lower him down the wall. I think that's just a funny detail. You know, if you think the Bible's boring, then um, you are just way wrong. (laughs) I mean, I think I've seen that happen like 40 times in my life and just imagined it. 
So what happened next in his life? What happened next in his life? Well, it says that he went to Arabia. Arabia. For three years. He dropped off the grid. He just dropped off the grid. So what's up with that? Well, he says that he didn't confer with flesh and blood again. Probably spent all of three years flipping pages. Oh, my goodness. And he was just going like that the whole time. Like, how could I have missed it? And it was like a burning desire for him to put together the pieces, put together the pieces, and put together the pieces. After three years, you know what he was like? A loaded cannon. (laughs) Like a loaded cannon. He was so filled up, so fired up, that, but... Again, he probably didn't know what to do. But a sweet man named Barnabas, who had the gift of encouragement, was sent to a revival that was happening in in Antioch. And it was just so, so, probably so many people were coming to the Lord. He said, we need help. That he walked all the way to Tarsus, which was quite a stretch. He walked in the door where Paul was. I don't know how he followed him, but he said, buddy... We need you. We need you. You need to be, to be on the field. Enough study here. And he brought him in. And you know what? That's precious to me. That is so precious to me. Where some of the people in Jerusalem, they, were, they weren't really sure they wanted him on the team. Because they had seen the, the dark side of Saul. But Barnabas had the gift of encouragement. And maybe you're not a Paul, but there are Barnabases in this room. And I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to fire you up. Just fire you up to walk along somebody, to encourage them, to let them know that you see God working in their life. And you know that God has a plan for their life. If you're called... If you're called, and some of you are called, to minister to hurting people right now, you're never going to run out of something to do. And that's for sure, absolutely. So, this letter to the Romans, you might take a few notes, because it's interesting history. I'm going to go to a little bit of history here. This letter to the Romans was written in approximately 57 A.D. What does that mean? The A.D. numbers means after Christ. After They say Christ was born in approximately 1 or 3 A.D. So um, I love that B.C. and A.D., God just sliced history down the middle and said, this is what happened after Jesus came to earth. It's wonderful. In 57 A.D., this letter was, was written. Paul had finished, now I'm fast zoom forward, and once he was on the mission field, he stayed on the mission field, and he went hard. He traveled, he had talked to thousands of people, he had argued with thousands of people, all cultures, all races, all intellects, all working class intellectuals, um, all over. He was now finishing his third missionary journey. 
and his plan was to go to Jerusalem. But he stopped in Corinth. He had friends in Corinth, and he was staying with a man named Gaius. And um, things were dangerous for Christians in Jerusalem. But it appears to me, I just think this, and many scholars think, that he had a tugging. That he wanted to go to Rome. He hadn't been there yet. He hadn't made it. And things were dangerous to where, where he was going now, to Jerusalem. And maybe he said, you know, this might be the time that I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. I'm going to get killed when I go to Jerusalem. Or there's going to be robbers on the road which there were in those days. Uh, we took a road trip a few months ago, and, and before I left, I had this, I, I don't know, premonition that I was going to die. It was, it was weird. So I, I tried to clean a few closets. I always, think, I always think I'd be so embarrassed if I died with my closet looking like that. <laughs> and I did a few things that I thought, well, if I, if I do die on this road trip, I, I want to get two. So I did that, and maybe that was it. Maybe since he ha- wasn't able to go visit the, the, the Christians in Rome, he had, never, he had never even been there. He didn't start the church in Rome. And um, many believe it was that there were Romans there, and, and they're mentioned at Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit fell. And they must have come to the Lord and gone back to Rome and shared with others. So there was this group of of Christians. So Paul, he must have thought, okay, if this is my dying trip, I'm going to lay it out. Piece by piece by piece. So those Christians will never forget what the gospel is. The Christians in Rome did receive this letter. And it did equip them because there was hard things coming down the pike for Rome. Again, it was 57 AD. Romans is the letter he wrote, and he had seven years to live. Which he wasn't going to die on that trip, but still, seven years. What if God told you, you got seven years? Would you want to get to a few things? Absolutely. I wouldn't want to do skydiving because that might shorten it. You know, this dying thing. But okay, as we know, he did make it to Rome, but not as he pictured. He was arrested in Jerusalem, put in prison for two years in Caesarea. And he did give his testimony over and over again before rulers and kings. When he did finally arrive in Rome... He was a prisoner. So, what do we know about Rome? What do we know about Rome? Well, we do know it wasn't built in a day. I thought thought everyone would know that. It wasn't built in a day, obviously. In fact, it was a very old empire. It was. It was a powerful uh, empire that literally ruled most of the world. But it was complicated. Lots of political corruption, drama, and trauma. I'm not saying anything about anything. (laughs) Nero was the emperor. He came to power when he was merely 16. 
A few years later, he murdered his mother. What a guy. Most people believe it was Nero who set Rome to fire, burnt 70% of it down, and left 50% of the population homeless. Again, what a guy. But people suspected it was him who burnt the city down because he wanted to build his own beautiful palace. And so he needed a scapegoat, blamed the Christians, and history shows that it was a very dangerous time to be a Christian. Nero would commit suicide at age 30. So, so what about us? 2020 is getting a little rough. Who agrees? Who thinks it might get worse? Sorry. Honestly, I was in an airport yesterday. I was flying back from Texas. And there was a big screen on the wall of the airport, about not that big, but huge. And they showed the story about two policemen that had only been police people for one year. Shot. Just just shot. When I got in the plane, I put my head on my lap and started sobbing. Maybe, maybe it will get rough. And you know what we need? We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be fired up. We need to dig. We need to crack the nut and know our word, and we need to know our gospel, and we have to know that God loves broken people. And this is why, please, please invest your time. We're going to bring the panel up right now to uh, get situated. And they're going to share with you. And what we did was Leslie, who is our MC tonight, and some of you um, don't know some of these girls. And this is a chance for you to know a few, a few of the women in the church. And uh, they're going to sit themselves Right up here. Let's move this back. Uh, You guys can move it back. And um, we're going to make this a real body life uh, moment. Since uh, in other Bible study times, at this moment, we would break into groups. And we would like holy huddle. And we would share what we learned in our lesson. And since that's not really what we can do right now. We're going to have these girls come up, and they're going to share um, how do they uh, just set aside quiet time. Here's Carrie. She's got a couple wild children. (laughs) (laughs) They have a hard time keeping up with her, though. (laughs) Trust me. She's a wild little thing. Um, And so Leslie's just going to ask them questions and ask them to share. Could we move them just the girls a little closer to the center so that we really have them central? And and by hearing their practical application, uh, that you will be encouraged to apply some principles that you learn from them. So, oh, good. Okay. There we go. Okay, we're going to pray, just pray over, and then we're going to um, just open our hearts and be excited of what, what they're going to share. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for this wonderful, powerful, inspirational, instructional book. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would crack the nuts 
And God, we just, we just feast on the treasures. And God, that we would be like loaded cannons, <laughs> dangerous to the enemy's ways out there in the world. He's just wounding people left and right. And God, we want to put part of the solution. So we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, girls. Take it out. Yes? Yes. Okay. Don't we pray for half of that spirit in her and that energy? Oh, my goodness. That's what I want. I want that in me. I want that energy. Ah, We have such a privilege to be here and to have this book. This is what we need. We need to dig into this and treat it as the treasure that it is. I, it was so interesting. God had given me this vision of this glowing box on my dining room table. Just, you know, like one of those pirate treasure boxes, just encrusted with jewels. And gl- Opened it up. It was glowing, glowing. But the most precious thing was the Bible at the bottom, digging through pearls and rubies and gold. And it's just, it's something to be treated as a treasure. Like Debbie said, it transforms lives. This is the word of God. This is a love letter to us, and we want to know it. We want to apply it. We need to learn it. And we lead busy lives, so how do we do that? And these three gals from different walks of life, we've got Rebecca, who is a young girl, (laughs) but who studied uh, in Bi- the Bible in Italy, in Bible college. She went to Marietta. She's got a foundation for that. Um, we all lead busy lives. Like Debbie said, Carrie has two small kids. Well, not, they're not so small anymore, are they? They're growing like weeds. Medium. medium. Two medium kids. <laughs> all right. That are just precious. And that makes for a busy life. We all have things in our lives. Bobby, a teacher, a mother of four grown sons, a wife, you know, we we have to learn how to carve out that time successfully. As Debbie was saying, those incredible, important statistics, four times a week, and it, it doesn't seem unattainable, but there are some weeks that go by that I'll tell you I'm not in the Word, seriously, four times a week. And I want that transformation. I think we all do. I think it's critical to the, to the future of the ministry, you know, to our lives. And that's a lifelong pursuit. So... We're going to answer some questions and get some different viewpoints on how to go about doing that. So that's the very first question, in fact. How do you successfully carve time out for the Lord when your life is busy? Do you use any special tools? Do you have props? Do you use different Bibles? Do you have a special place where you go? How do you make the time when there are things pulling and tugging at us for attention? And so... um, And also, how has that changed in your walk? Some of us have been walking with the Lord for a long time. Sometimes people, the kids are grown and gone. You've got little kids, you know, now that are taking the time that you maybe used to have. So as your life changes, those ideas change of how you make the time. So I just wanted to see who who might have an answer for that. How do you carve out time, let's say four times a week, (laughs) do seriously time with the Lord. Bobby, you have an answer? Um, Yeah. I think my very best time is if I get up really early. And um, I just love to have my own time with the Lord all by myself. But um, that's sometimes really hard to do. (laughs) And when I had little boys, I had four boys. I have four boys. And when they were little, I just never seemed to be able to get up like 
before anybody. Like if I did get up, someone always heard me get up, and you know, then there was someone else, and I'd think, oh, I should have just stayed in bed. <laughs> now I've got you know such and such up with me, but um, now that I'm older, and um, even when I'm substituting, now I haven't been substituting teaching for since March, so things once again change because I think I got up intentionally, like by 5, 5.30, so I could have that time, have my cup of coffee, go to my special little corner of the couch, get my little blankie, my cup of coffee, my Bible, my journal, you know, and, and just kind of settle in, you know, and have that special time. And um, then, um, but since I, you know, not substituting anymore, it got a little bit easier to go, oh, well, I guess I don't have to get up at 5.30 because I have all day. And then I kind of got the I have all day syndrome, <laughs> which, you know, it, it like then one thing tumbles into the next and you're like, oh, I should have got up at 5.30. <laughs> but um, so now I'm trying more intentionally to get up at 5.30. So um, to, to have that special time. But the trouble is, too, my husband has been getting up earlier and earlier now. So that's kind of a challenge for me too. But but God is good. He he works it out, and we've been. I've decided that since He likes to get up with me, that we've been going through the one year Bible. We'll read that together, and we'll pray together. So sometimes I don't get my little alone time that I wanted, um, but I get you know a special time with Him, and so. I think so much of the time, life just constantly changes, and, and you're thrown like a curveball from here, and you've got somebody else now staying at your house, or something else is going on, and I think we just have to be adjustable and just go, okay, well, this is what God wants for me now, and I'm just going to go with it, and I'm not going to have such a agenda that I think this is how it's going to work out, because, you know, then you just get disappointed. So I try to let God do the leading. <laughs> yes, I think blessed are the flexible, huh? Because yes. sometimes life gets in the way. And even God, you know, he is life, but sometimes we can't find even 10 minutes sometimes when we think we might and the day gets long. And so I love that Debbie said four times is transformational because there might be a day that you miss. So we've got to play mm-hmm. catch up, you know, and uh, and there's so much input, just as you mentioned, a podcast or turning on the radio and just listening to a beautiful Bible study. Or um, it, it doesn't replace your alone time in the Word because I think that we look at his book and open it up and he loves that time with us. And I think when we have that very special time, he will draw us to something that we need to see. He knows ahead of time what I'm going to need next month or what Denise is going to need, you know, what we're going to need and how we need to be led, what we might call up to comfort someone else or to prepare ourselves and equip ourselves for whatever lies ahead. He knows what that is. And I think if we really pay attention, we'll be ever more perfectly equipped to step into the next day with that armor on and the equipping of his word that he might show us just by that special time. And what about you, Rebecca? How do you carve out some time in a busy life? Yeah, um, I kind of pretty much just would echo everything that Bobby said. For me personally, I'm, like you said, like life is 
always changing. Sometimes I'm in school, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm working, sometimes I'm not. It's just always changing. Sometimes I'm in America and sometimes I'm not. It's changing all the time. Um, but one thing for me that like is especially helpful is just to keep it simple. I don't have a lot of time in the morning. Sometimes I'm rushing off to go to a class or to work or whatever. And so to try and like read my Bible and then journal and then read a book and then I don't have a lot of time for it. But if I have time for anything, if I have just 10 minutes, I want to spend those 10 minutes in the word and not trying to see, even though I love a lot of these books out here, I want to know what Jesus has to say, not necessarily all these different authors. So for me personally, just keeping it super simple. And like you said, like, blessed are the flexible. Being super flexible about things. Like right now, I'm going through the book of Daniel. But since we're going through the book of Romans and I want to like get as much out of this as I can, I'll take a break and I'll read through Romans for a little bit. Or, you know, if I'm, you know, right now I'm trying to read a chapter a day, but if I really get into it, read two chapters a day. Or if I only have a little bit of time, read a half a chapter. Find a verse to focus on. Just keeping it super simple but super intentional, too. Of finding a place to focus and just slowing down for a minute and just spending that time just solely with the Lord. That really helps me a lot. I think that word intentional is, is operative for all of us, really purposing in our hearts to make the time. And he gives us such grace, like you said. If you, you, don't, you don't find the time today or you read a half a chapter and you make it up, you make it up. You know, it's not homework. It's, it's heart work, you know. It's, it's just going to fill us up. So that's why we want it. That's why we crave it. And what about you, Missy? Yeah, I'd say um, I try to make it a priority in the morning, um, but it's definitely a, a battle between, like, Instagram and the Bible, and you're, like, trying to figure it out, right? Like, um, so at one point, I, like, moved the apps off of my home screen into, like, a folder, and now I'm, like, um, pretty much have navigated, like, push, 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 found, you know, like, so I think at this point, I'm like, okay, maybe I just need to delete the app. So just trying to find the, you know, the battles that are warring within my soul. Um, so I tried to read before I got into bed. And then I think at some point I felt like God was reminding me, um, what do my kids see? And they think I'm on my phone. They don't know I'm reading the Bible on my phone. So I got a, um, a new Bible. So that's what I did recently. So that's kind of a switcheroo, you know, kind of think, keep things fresh. Um, my old Bible had a lot of um, highlighted parts, you know, and a lot of writing in it. And I loved and I treasured, you know, reflecting on those moments when like God had spoken to me. Um, and some of those seasons have changed. And so now it was kind of a distraction. So I figured like a new Bible would be cool. Still fighting. I'm like the phone, maybe I need to like charge it further away, but trying to find, you know, what works, um, for you or for me, that's kind of what I'm thinking I'm wrestling with. Um, like this morning, um, Instagram one, and so I was like driving to therapy, and I was like, I didn't read yet, and so I have a um, the One Year Bible app on my phone, and I was like, perfect. So I was trying to listen to it as I was driving. Um, so I was trying to have the grace, you know, and like, you know, like I, I didn't read this morning, and um, now I'm on stage talking about how I did, didn't do it. <laughs> um, so that's what you don't do. Um, but you know it. Thankfully, there are those tools that work, um, and a lot of podcasts I've been listening to, um, you know, like fill in the gaps, you know, because there's a season of your life maybe that you do have, like, challenges, so um, seeing what works for you, and I liked what you said, Bobby, about joining your husband. Um, My kids, I learned this trick from some friends where they uh, eat their breakfast, you know, together, and so for me, it's with my kids, and when I finish, I pull out our Bible um, like our kids' Bible, and I read it with my kids. So, like, hopefully I had time with the Lord myself, um, like, backup plan. Like, I got it with the kids. And um, I think it's working because, like, one of my kids is, like, uh, 
yesterday. He's like, we didn't read the Bible. He's like, but we can do it at lunch, mom. So um, (laughs) just kind of like the Lord will talk to you and tell you, you know, like here's an idea or, hey, you should put that down. Um, He loves you and he wants to spend time with you. So I think there's a lot of tools out there and um, there's just a lot of opportunities, you know, to not be so hard on yourself that you didn't do it, but like, you know, when the opportunity arises, um, just to talk about the Lord to your family, your kids, and push play on that podcast while you're doing the dishes or you're driving somewhere. So just trying to get creative works for me. Yeah, I like that. I've got it all counts, our time with the Lord, whether it's in prayer, whether it's in reading, whether it's discussing, you know, iron sharpening iron. If you're talking with a girlfriend or your husband, especially, oh my gosh, and your children, we have those great outlets that God puts in front of us. And every, every time we speak of the Lord and discuss the Lord, it's profitable time. You know, we can spend so much time doing things that are absolutely a waste. They might be entertaining, but at the end of the day, you've not gleaned anything from that. That hasn't added anything to your life and to the wealth of your life that you get from that richness from the Word. You know, He will fill us up to the max. That's what we want. We want to be overflowing with that love. We want the Holy Spirit to just fill us up, empty us of ourselves, and fill us up so that it just spreads out onto the people around us. And we can't do that if we're just filled up with trash and TV and, you know, novels of, you know, <laughs> spend some time with him. That's all he wants, you know. And, and how do you find that that change, when you, when you spend time with the Lord and you're really in it and you're, you know, you're just being so good, <laughs> it changes how we feel and how we act and how we think, you know. So how, have you have any examples of how that changes your attitudes, your outlooks on life in general, on the news, on what's happening in the world? Uh, when you're in a rich season with him versus a dry season. You know, we've all had those times when maybe we're just not as plugged in. And, you know, it, it doesn't feel as good. Things don't look as good. We don't have as much hope. You know, what, uh, what do you find in your day-to-day with your family, your kids, your you know, fellow students, your, your activities when you're in it and not in it? Yep. I think uh, I feel like when I don't spend time or like I missed the day, I feel like I gave an opportunity, like a foothold for Satan to come in. I felt like I just gave him like a couple bow and arrows to like, you know, attack me with because I feel like I wrestle with condemnation and trying to be like, oh, you didn't read today. Um, and so I kind of feel like I just handed over the enemy an opportunity to get me. Um, but I feel like when I read um, and I spend some time with the Lord and I have the word like in me, I feel like that's not even like there. Like I don't have to struggle and wrestle with, you know, like, okay, God still loves me. And I have to like walk through the process of grace and, you know, like, you know, try to walk through those issues and fight that battle. It's almost like a free victory on that day. So I feel like that kind of is what I would refer to. Right, right. When you're equipped, you have your armor on, you know, and those, those opportunities aren't there for him to dig into you. you or you just have, you're more well-equipped to battle to battle against it and stand strong in the Lord. Know what the truth is. We are bombarded these days by so many kinds of media and so much of it is negative and the world is in a dark place right now. You know, we, we need to be equipped to stand strong for the Lord, to say his name, to lift his name when there's so many other names being lifted that aren't, aren't worthy. And so uh, I think that's really important. I think that's important to arm ourselves just like you said. What do you think, Rebecca? Yeah, I think you kind of just hit the nail on the head, like with the, the better equipped. I just definitely, especially this year, I mean, every year is crazy, but this year has just been especially insane. 
and just I feel better equipped to just kind of live life. Like living life is a challenge now. Like not mm-hmm. even just school work. Like just waking up and going about the day is a challenge now. Um, but I definitely know that when I've sat down and I've read the word, and even if it's not something that particularly applies to the day, the fact that it's God's word just really is just like a, kind of like a breath of, of peace and calming over me for the day. And I know that when I wake up and someone has the news on, or I open up Instagram and it's just another like little jolt of bad news, I'm like, it's okay. Cause I just read, you know, Acts and that church had a lot going on. I read Romans. They had a lot going on. This is nothing new. Like there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like this is such an abnormal world when I read or an abnormal year when I read the word and I'm like, wow, okay, this has happened time and time again. The, the struggles have happened time and time again. I'm not alone. This is okay. Like the fact that I feel really bad is okay because I'm sure that everyone else during, you know, the book of Acts or Romans or Thessalonians or whatever, they felt really, really bad too. So it's okay. If they went through it, I can go through it. I've got this, you know? So yeah, like better equipped is definitely. And then, yeah, like you said, like when I don't, definitely just kind of feel like I just, yeah, hand it over the day to whatever thoughts or feelings or whatever want to run the day. I'm just like, yeah, go ahead. Like run the day. I I went ahead and told you to, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Bobby, anything to add? Um, Well, lately, because we've been going through Psalms with Rob, I've been really like concentrating on the Psalms. and, And just like how David usually starts off just kind of spilling his guts and just saying all, you know, all these things that are happening to him, all these people that are chasing him, all these horrible things that are happening. And then kind of as he, as he kind of works through it, then he comes to the point of, but God, you know, and this is what, you, you know, you are, and this is what you can do. This is what you can do for me. And he ends up kind of praising God. And so I think that's how I feel like when, when I get into the word, it's like, you, you know, you kind of start off and you're thinking about all your problems or the, you know, things in your life that you wish would be so different. And, but then God just, you know, infuses you with so much hope because, you know, things can change with God. So that's, I mean, it's just such a, such a factor that, that is just out of this world, you know, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and, uh, you know, things don't necessarily have to stay the same. So you don't have to stay in that place because you have, you have, he gives you hope and a vision for the future. That was so lovely. Thank you for that. So what, what, truly motivates you to dig in deep? What are like two or three of your top motivators to just get you into the book? What do you, what spurs you on to really dig in? Just, you can be family, love for God, anything that you really feel in your heart. What lets you have that time most successfully? As opposed to just having the time <laughs> to do it. But what, what drives you? to love God and dig deep into his word. What do you think? Um, I think, I, I, you know, it was an interesting question because you asked us this before. Poor Carrie didn't get a chance to think about this. <laughs> but I've been thinking about it. And I thought, what does really motivate me? And I thought, you know, God is so much my refuge. He's, he's where I can go for comfort. And... Um, you know, and these days, and, you know, as you get older in life and, and you have, um, you know, children that are grown and things that maybe haven't gone the way you would like them to go and maybe they haven't gone the way you wanted them to go, you know, it's, it's um, so great to have him to run to. And, and he's, you know, I've got that verse... Um, uh, 
about, um, I think it's Proverbs 18.10, how the Lord is a strong tower and those who run to it will be safe. And I, I think of that all the time. He's my strong tower and I run to him, you know, and I'm safe in his arms. Well, that's great. That's a great one. Okay, uh, Gary? I'd say um, a list, like check, did it. <laughs> it shouldn't be that way. Sinner. Um, <laughs> um, so the box checker, uh, you know, good kid, right? Earn my way there. Um, so I think a lot of times, like, not to be funny, but like, I feel like that's kind of what motivates me to do it. Um, but I think God's faithfulness um, is there to meet me. And I feel like looking at the heart of God and really um, the song that talks about, like, all my life you've been faithful. Um, and when I really think about, like, like who he is, um, he's never left me. He never failed me. Like, his, his character, like, his heart for me, um, I want to hang out with him, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, I, I was thinking the other day, I was like, man, I haven't hang, hung out with this friend in a while. I should I want to go to the movies. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can. So it's kind of the same way. It's like, man, like, I want to spend time with God. Like, I haven't hung out with him in a while. I want to really, like, get to know his heart. And I think sometimes um, just out of God being faithful, you know, I get into the word. It's the thing to do. And maybe it's a dry time or it's just like, whatever, you just do it. Um, then it becomes alive because I think... Um, our shortcomings, my shortcomings, you know, just doing it or whatever. But um, his scripture, like his heart is to meet us and his word is alive and it's powerful. And then like all of a sudden it's like, wow, that, that's exactly what I needed. And I only had time for just that one verse, you know, or mm-hmm. just that one little sentence I remember in the car today. Um, so I would just say <laughs> it's God. <laughs> it's He's God. faithful. Yet he's faithful, and he can, just like you said, one verse, it can turn your whole day around. Mm -hmm. It can change your whole outlook. It can change the way you speak to everybody for the rest of the day. You know, that that is so powerful. Rebecca, what about you? Yeah, so um, for me, personally, what kind of, like, motivates me to get into the Word is that I know myself. And I don't know about you girls, but, like, I'm a hardcore sinner. Like, I worry throughout the day. I literally, I do everything throughout the day. I am going to worry. I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to say something rude. I'm going to I'm gonna do it all throughout the day. And I know that. I know that when I wake up that I'm probably going to do something wrong. And so it motivates me. That Like, that's my driving factor. It's like, I wake up, I'm like, probably going to do something wrong. Should probably, like, get some advice first yeah. about what to do when I feel like I want to do something wrong or after I've already done it. Should probably, like, figure out what to do about that. So that's definitely, like, my, my driving factor is, like, I wake up, and that's got, that's got to be my first thing. So i got to know, like, okay, what, what does the Lord have for me today? Um, but not only that, but even when days when I wake up and I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to do anything wrong or I'm pretty sure that it's a, it's a good time, or sometimes I wake up and, like, I really don't care. Like, I might just, but I don't care. Like, I, I, it feels good right now. Like, I, I want to get mad. I, I feel like that would help me. In those moments, in those moments, I think about how I, I need to wake up and whether I feel like it or not, just really getting into the word because I know what I'm going to do. I know that I'm going to be some type of sinner later on in the day. And so that's just definitely my, my driving thing. But not only that, but I'm a very, like, practical person and I like to be prepared. Like, if I'm going to do something throughout the day, like for my schoolwork, like, I have to have, like, a checklist. I have to have 
color-coded checklist. It has to be organized by like times down to the minute. Like I, it's insane. It's insane. But I see a couple of people like going like this and a couple of people like, yeah, <laughs> I see them both. But one scripture that's really um, funny, like funny enough has encouraged me is Second um, Timothy 2, 4. And it says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And the reason that that's like a motivator for me to get into the word is because it reminds me that I am like a soldier in this life, that I really am. And no soldier just kind of like wakes up and just kind of like runs out into the field. No, he has to like wake up and he has to put on his gear. He mm-hmm. has to get what he needs for the day. And me waking up, whether or not I know I'm going to be in a battle or not, I- I'm going to wake up and I'm going to put on my gear because I know that it's going to be tough. So, yeah, just to be prepared for whatever the day may bring or whatever I may bring into the day is really just my motivator for sure. Mm-hmm. That's great. Love your sense of discipline and self-awareness that uh, you're very honest with yourself and uh, you prepare yourself for the battle ahead. It is, it is a battlefield out there, isn't it? it? We're in warfare and there's lots of it right now, I'll tell you. Okay, last question, girls. Can you please give us a favorite scripture that encourages you to seek more time with him? Okay, Rebecca, she's ready. Yes, because it's been a favorite scripture since the day the Lord and I became best friends. This has been my favorite scripture. Um, It's Isaiah 43, kind of like the latter half of one and two. And it says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. And the reason that that, it's, it's kind of a funny one, I guess, to, to kind of put into this context, but the reason that I like it so much is because you never know what you're going to go through. Like, you never know if waters are going to be, um, pa- if you're going to be passing through waters, if you're going to be passing through rivers, if you're going to be passing through fire, like, you never know. And this year has been a great example of that. Like, we had no idea, you know, January 1st came around, and we're like, yeah, 2020 is going to be a great year. And then we passed through all three of those and more. But <laughs> my... my favorite thing about the scripture is that he's always kind of like, I'm going to be with you. Like you're going to pass through these things, but I'm going to be with you. I'm, you might walk through the fire, but you're not going to be burned. And this year has been a year of walking through fire, but reminding that, reminding ourselves like, you know, we're, we're not going to be burned if we're prepared, if we make the Lord our best friend, if we're in the word up to four times a day or more or whatever it may be, or even if it's less, just knowing that like, he's going to be there with you and just making him your comfort or letting him be your comfort is more it. He wants to be your comfort. And so allowing him to really just let the the word, the living word seep into you and just allowing it to be your comfort, to be there for you because he wants to, but you have to allow him to. And so that's kind of like, yeah, I really just love this, that image of, you know, no matter what you're going to go through, I'll be with you if you'll let me, if you'll let me walk with you. Mm -hmm. Precious, precious. Bobby? Um, I have two. So... I was kind of thinking that along the line, I mean, I have many, but I will start with this one. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And there's so many things in life I do not know, so I need to call on him all the time. And then also in Proverbs 2, 6 through 9, for the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding he grants a treasure of good sense to, God, to the godly. He is their shield, protecting those who walk in integrity. He guards the path of justice and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will know how to find the right course of action every time. Very nice. Very nice. That would spur you on. Carrie? Um. Psalm 91 has definitely been a favorite of mine for a while, and I like 
it's a, it's a lot of verses. I'll just read a couple here. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. It goes on, um, and then skipping down to verse 10 of Psalm 91, it says, or, or verse 9, sorry, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Not to say that we're not going to have hard times or anything, but I love how it starts off with like the secret place. And I love how it talks about being tucked under the wings and that picture of like a mother hen and having the little baby, uh, little chicklets, you know, like tucked in tight. And, you know, for the most part, um, there might not be a lot of people that wake up with you in the morning or in the afternoon and and they're like, awesome job, Carrie. You read your Bible today. Good job, you know. But it's in that secret time where you find those moments, um, you know, for me today, driving in my car or whatever, um, where you've been tucked away with the Lord um, that he's got just um, safety. Mm-hmm. And um, when the troubles come, um, you'll be able to reflect back on all those little moments where he gave you those treasures and where he like poured into you. And so then when there's that like, crazy time, it's not going to be so crazy because just that, that safety, that safety net that you have in him because you were in those secret times, um, those remind me and, and make me definitely move in close to the Lord. I love that. I love that. Even though you said people aren't going to be saying, good for you, Carrie, you spent time in the Lord. He's saying it. You know, he loves us to be close to him and to draw near to him. So every time we do, we are rewarded. He is so faithful to give us something so special. Well, I thank you all. This was so fantastic. I know we've got some practical, wonderful things from these gals. You guys were fantastic. You at the spur of the moment. Love it. Love it. Thank you very much, ladies. That was great. Now, a couple little somewhere here couple little bits, little announcements for the end of the evening. No, there's a fine right there. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, each evening we'll come in for announcements and worship, have a great teaching, and then after that we're going to have some response time. It'll probably look different, different weeks. Like this week we have the panel. Sometimes there'll be some microphones up so that we can uh, discuss, ask, answer, answer questions that you might have and talk about the teaching and the homework that we've gotten in the study. So be prepared for that. Um, We know that we get out of it what we put into it. So I'm really hoping that you're committed to the study, to really dig in and read. That's the whole point of this discipleship. We want to go deep with God, and that's what it takes. Um, Let's see here. Um, Also, there are Uh, On social media, there are all kinds of interesting things connected with the study. There are gals that are going to be putting out questions for you to ponder and even to answer online on Instagram and on Facebook. So look for those. There's going to be giveaways of books and journals and things that uh, I'm not sure how you do it online but um, and what they'll be giving away. But those girls that are up for that know how to do it. And so there's more for you. And also, starting next week, as you come in, we'll be given tickets, and hold on to that, because there will be giveaways here, too, 
for us in person that are actually here. So I just appreciate so much you all coming. I would ask that as you leave tonight, to, and each time when you come in and go, just go through the main doors for safety, for your safety, um, kind of go straight to your car. We don't want to be hanging out in the parking lot too long. Those guys, I think we have our men in the parking lot. Um, God bless them for coming out and watching over us. But don't just don't linger in the parking lot because we are downtown Vista. Anyway... Uh, I think. Oh, also, we have a wonderful prayer team. Bobby is the head of that prayer team. These gals are going to be in the back. Um, so if you have a prayer request or a prayer need, please go speak with them. Sit for a moment. We do want to keep it brief because we can't be staying too long. Um, and I think there were to be um, prayer requests in your packet. I did not have one in mind, so I'm not sure if they were there or not. But... Um, if you have a prayer request that you might want to write down on a little piece of scratch paper, um, give it to them so that they can be praying for you over the week since they won't have too much time right now. And if you want prayer with one of the prayer team or one of the leaders from uh, the women's ministry, put your phone number and your name down and ask for that. That, that. If you would have somebody call you, if you have something very pressing, that would be lovely. Okay, and they will, they're will they just a marvelous group, and they're back there, four of them, just waiting for you to come and spend some time with them. Okay, I'll say good night. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. Thank you so much for coming, and we will see you next Monday night. Thank you. Bye-bye.